Attention, please. Presenting a new exciting radio program featuring the thrilling adventures of an amazing and incredible personality. And now, The Sports Buzz with your host, Kevin Wolf, with Andy Loigu. Is anybody alive out there? Is anybody alive out there? Keep checking. Keep checking. Is anybody alive out there? And welcome to this February 10th edition of the Sports Buzz Super Bowl 57 special coming your way live from the great state of New Jersey as Andy Loigu and Kevin Wolf come to the microphones to chat with you about what's happening in the world of sports as we are just under 48 hours hours from Super Bowl 57 kicking off in Glendale, Arizona and the biggest game of the year with the two best teams squaring off against one another as the Super Bowl puts an end to an NFL season that had a lot of headlines and this is the perfect matchup as Andy Reid and his Kansas City Chiefs will take on his former team the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts as the Chiefs look to win their second Super Bowl in their third try with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes at the helm and there's been significant storylines all week at Radio Row the storylines have been the Eagles having the better offensive line and the defensive line but the Chiefs having the experience with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes at the quarterback position those two strengths on each side could be the dividend to determine a winner in this football game and who better to bring in than my broadcast partner who's a huge eagle fan andy loigu as the popcorn is ready to go the chicken wings are thawing out and getting ready for the oven and andy's getting ready for super bowl 57 as a huge eagle fan amped up and ready to go yeah, well, I, just today I got a couple of bags of potato chips at the store, and I also got a nice bottle of wine to celebrate the win. <laughs> Don't you think Andy saying a win before the game is kicked off is a little strong with the experience factor of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes' late-game situation? Wouldn't you want Reid and Mahomes to be the guy leading your team. We know Jalen Hurts in the year he had. We know what Nick Sirianni's capable of at head coach, but Reed is proven in that area. So it's going to be an interesting game, but you seem very, very confident about your Eagles going out there and winning this game. The uh, one unglamorous thing uh, about football is the fact that uh, if you're controlling the line of scrimmage, uh, it's awful hard to beat you, and uh, the Eagles uh, do have the players to control both lines of scrimmage. Even though Mahomes is a magician and deserving of the Most Valuable Player Award, which he got last night, and you can't say enough good things about um, Mahomes. 
But if he's getting sacked, he's uh, not going to be any better than uh, half the quarterbacks in the league when he's on his back. You know, the uh, Eagles do put a lot of pressure on quarterbacks, and uh, Eagles on the defensive side of the ball look look pretty strong. Like they've got a former Giant helping them out too. There, James Bradbury, you know, one of many outstanding players the Eagles have on that defense. Yeah, the Eagles have some players who uh, could really make a difference here. Yeah, and the key is going to be, can the Chiefs uh, hold Miles Sanders to under 22 carries in the game? Can they force the Eagles out of their ground game and make Hurts throw the football more? The Eagles with Gainwell and Sanders have been great as a 1-2 tandem running the football. Is Goddard going to be able to compete with Kelsey for the Chiefs and Goddard for the uh Eagles as two tight ends, are they going to be able to compete against one another and make big catches late when their teams need them to? Is Juju Smith-Schuster and Valdez Scandling going to step up in big ways for the Kansas City Chiefs, or is Brown going to be a huge catalyst for the Eagles? He's been a huge catalyst offensively from the receiving core perspective for a majority of this season. So both teams have a lot of weapons. Both teams can throw a lot at you and you know Andy Reid as well as anybody Andy from seeing what he did back in the day with the Eagles he's going to have a great game plan he's going to have a good scheme ready to go and he's going to throw the football a lot with Mahomes and we've heard from a lot of different media personalities in Arizona all week and a lot of people said Mahomes looked good all week in practice he looks strong it looks like the ankle isn't going to be an issue for him it looks like he's raring to go so this should be a compelling matchup for these two teams and I think when all is said and done listen the Eagles on paper are the better team they may be just a smidge bit better than the Chiefs from a personnel standpoint but I cannot go against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes late in a game needing a W in that win column to hoist up a second Lombardi trophy. And I just think the Chiefs are going to find a way to do something late in this game to get the W. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, and I think it's going to be a touchdown type of football game when all is said and done. you got two prolific offenses going up against one another here, and I think we're amped up for a shootout in this football game in Glendale, Arizona on Sunday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, I'm not really looking for a high-scoring game, uh, given the quality of uh, both of these defenses. It could come down to one play, certainly, and... uh, Often penalties and uh, fumbles and uh, funny bounces of the ball sometimes can make a big difference in a game. But you got to be confident in uh, what the Eagles bring and uh, how uh, the Eagles, at least in the conference playoffs, certainly were uh, up to the task. And uh, it's going to be a classic Super Bowl. By the way, uh, you know the Kansas City Chiefs have a guy, Michael Burton. He got drafted uh, out of Rutgers by the Detroit Lions. And uh, he's been with a few teams, and now he's in his second year with Kansas City there. And he doesn't carry the ball very much. Uh, his fellow uh, Rutgers uh, player, Isaiah Pacheco, does most of the ball carrying for Kansas City these days. But uh, Michael Burton's got a real important role. He's going to have to uh, block a lot out of his fullback position. 
and that's asking a lot against these uh, these Eagles pass rushers. You know, Kansas City's probably going to have to go away from some of the flashy things they like to do just to protect their quarterback. You know, do some maximum protection offense with uh, with a fullback in the lineup or two tight ends. They can't really have too many of the wide open uh, spread formations that they would like to run from because they have to account for the defensive pressure that that the Eagles will be bringing. Yeah, the Eagles have a tough defense. They're tough to solve. Spagnola's going to have a great game plan for the Chiefs. And when you look at the way these two teams got here, Andy, the Eagles really, they had home field. They obliterated the Giants in the divisional round. They took out the quarterback for San Francisco and Purdy, the rookie who we knew was going to have a bad game and have some mistakes. It was just due to happen with him. And they took him out injury-wise and then Johnson couldn't get the job done so it was really a soft landing here for the Eagles in these two games to get to the Super Bowl they really didn't have to go out there and battle for 60 minutes to win these football games these two games that they won were pretty much determined by halftime where the Chiefs they battled the Jags they found a way to win it 27-20 and then they barely scraped by the Bengals and that last second field goal by Bucker is what put them into the Super Bowl the Chiefs so when you look at it the Chiefs definitely had a harder road with harder competition and better play than the Eagles had to get to this point that would worry me a little bit from an Eagles perspective their competition coming into this game is much more supreme than the two other teams they played prior to getting to Glendale, Arizona. That would be worrisome for me as an Eagle fan. Yeah, if you look at this game as a, as a heavyweight boxing match, uh, you know, the, the Eagles would be like the team that scores the first or second round knockouts, and Kansas City's the one that goes the distance and uh, holds firm at the end. Uh, that's kind of a good way to draw a comparison here. You know, the Eagles... Uh, Certainly in the first quarter of their uh, two playoff games took care of business. But to the Eagles' credit, too, they did not just uh, sit on a halftime lead and say, oh, we got it made. You know, they kept building the lead. Even when they took a lead and were in pretty good position to win, uh, they weren't taking anything for granted. They they were still still putting out maximum effort the whole game. And uh, just to take care of business, and I think the scores reflect that, too. Uh, they outscored their two opponents in the playoffs, 61-14, uh, to 14, I believe. And uh, going into those games, you know, uh, the Giants had momentum. San Francisco certainly had a great defense, and uh, and they had a hot Brock Purdy <laughs> quarterback. And those teams, uh, a lot of people thought those teams would knock off the Eagles in the playoffs. Uh, you know, so the Eagles have already... Uh, been tested in that sense, but the Eagles, just by being uh, on their game from the get-go, uh, you know, took command of those games. So I don't know if it's really fair to to say the Eagles are uh, are not going to be a good finisher here. I'm not saying the Eagles aren't going to be a good finisher. I'm just looking at the two games prior to leading to the Super Bowl, and I'm looking at the competition, Andy, that the Eagles had compared to the competition that the Chiefs had. Those Eagle games were decided by halftime. You had a good feel who was going to win those two games. The Chiefs games could have gone either way against the Jags or the Bengals. I'm not giving the Eagles 
a bad do here, but what I'm saying is the Eagles throughout the postseason have not seen a superior team like they're going to see against the Chiefs. This Chief team is well coached, they're disciplined in all phases. And you know that they're going to have a great game plan. And coming off of that bad performance against the Bucks a few years back, we know Reed in the sun with the drinking problem and all of that was a big issue for him in that game and a big distraction. The Chiefs are going to be raring to go. And the Chiefs like to play a fast tempo, fast style type of football game and if they can get an early edge in this game and play up tempo I think it's going to be tough for the Eagles to play that type of style of football the Eagles are more of a like a slow pace game and want to run the ball and chew the clock up the Chiefs like to play fast tempo and if the Chiefs can find a way to start the game off quick and play fast tempo I think that could be troublesome for the Eagles in the early stages of this football game well it's just that the Eagles uh it's up to their lines to establish you know that the offensive line can establish what kind of tempo an offense is going to play if uh, they're opening up the holes and they're getting the first downs, then the Eagles, of course, would uh, uh, would play ball control and keep the other offense off the field. And, you know, Bill Parcells could tell you all about that kind of football. And that's that's kind of the strength for the Eagles. And uh, it's one thing to say, well, what would the Eagles do if the game plays at a fast pace? But the Eagles do have the con- ability to control the pace of the game. It's kind of up to Kansas City to to break through that, to, to somehow uh, you know, establish their uh, defensive line against the Eagles' offensive line. You know, the offensive lines are, 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 are a key to football. It's, uh, they are, it's and listen. Fundamental grunt football. <laughs> I understand Jalen Hurts had a huge year. I understand his offensive playmaking ability at the quarterback position was really something amazing and magical all season long for the Eagles, but he's never been in this spot before. He's never had this big event hanging over him the way the Super Bowl is. Listen, we know it's a game, but it's an event, and there's a lot of pressure on you and a lot of these players who haven't been in this spot before can really face some of that pressure and you don't know what jitters or uncomfortness that's going to give him going on to the football field getting ready to play this game so I think when you look at this game Andy I think the Eagles are a great opponent for the Chiefs I think they match up well against one another but I think the Chiefs may have a few more advantages than the Eagles that could go in their favor for the outcome of this game in determining a winner Okay, you have your opinion and I have mine, and maybe the listeners will uh, weigh in on this. Too. Yeah, uh, please, if yeah, you're on the call. Yeah, if you're on Clubhouse and you want to join in on this great conversation, feel free to do so. And and another thing with this game, Andy, you know, a lot of people seem to be hyped up over the halftime show with Rihanna doing the halftime show. I'm not really into the halftime show. I don't think it suits my fancy for the type of singing that we're going to get at the halftime show. I think the last time I actually watched the halftime show, uh, I think it was about 15 years ago or even longer than that, when Paul McCartney did the halftime show. That was kind of um, up to my speed, you know, as far as the halftime show that I could enjoy. Uh, and one time they had uh, Coldplay, who I like. Uh, they did a halftime show, although uh, uh, a lot of uh, 
people of a different uh, musical taste uh, would probably think Coldplay was dreadful. <laughs> yeah, to each his own, especially when it comes to these halftime shows. Halftime is a good time to uh, maybe even uh, check out another channel for a while or something, you know, see if there's a good college basketball game on or something. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a longer halftime than usual, so that would be worrisome a little bit from a momentum standpoint going into the second half. We are set up for a classic matchup. We are set up for a fantastic Super Bowl. And we are set up for the biggest stage and the biggest game to cap off what has been a remarkable 2022 season for the National Football League with a ton of headlines, a ton of storylines, a ton of teams that went out there and overachieved where you wouldn't have thought they would have, whether that was the New York Giants under first-year head coach and Brian Dable, or if that was the New York Jets showing you that they're making strides again to be a contender, or the storyline of Brock Purdy at rookie quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, or the fact that Bill Belichick was finally not in a postseason and he's only won one postseason game since Brady left. You know, the fact that the Buccaneers weren't as good as they were supposed to be, the Colts and the train wreck that they were under Matt Ryan at quarterback there, everybody was high on the Colts. That didn't go well. The Steelers and their winning success with Mike Tomlin, but falling short of the postseason. The Buffalo Bills, you know, in what was a great season. And then the DeMar Hamlin storyline in Week 17 that sort of took over the rest of the Bills season and became front and center the rest of the way for the Bills. And really, I think, was a big distraction as to the Bills not making a deep run in the postseason. But we are glad to see DeMar Hamlin finally doing well and doing better and trying to take this offseason to make some serious decisions how he wants to proceed on the football field. So there were many significant storylines that played out in this NFL season. And the biggest one will be in Super Bowl 57 in Glendale, Arizona, as the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid takes to the sideline with the Bose headset and goes up against his former team in the Philadelphia Eagles. We are in for a great matchup, and we are in for some great play on the football field. You're listening to the Sports Buzz with Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu. Passionate sports talk for the hardcore fan is our daily motto, sportsbuzzshow1 at gmail.com. Sportsbuzzshow, the number one at gmail.com. That's where you can reach out to me for any thoughts, feelings, or opinions you have about this podcast or anything happening in the world of sports if you want to join in on this conversation tonight just raise your hand in clubhouse we will bring you up to our stage and we will chat with you and we want to hear from all of our dedicated sports junkies out there who listen to this broadcast on a weekly basis we're going to take a time out when we come back we have a lot more to do we'll get into the nfl honors awards uh, ceremony that took place and we have a lot to hone in on in the course of this broadcast. We're going to step aside for a break. We'll be back right after this. Came home from Iraq. I could still hear the booms. Makes it hard to be a good mom. 
As America's veterans face challenges, DAV is there. I'm Naomi Mathis, Air Force veteran. DAV helps veterans get the benefits they've earned. Thanks to DAV, I was able to begin to heal. With the right support, more veterans can reach victories great and small. My victory is being able to be here for my children. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Children in poverty. Each one unique. Each one full of dreams. They're our hope. Our future. They're the reason Children International exists. And even when the whole world changed, the things that mattered most to us stayed the same. Giving children the tools they need to set their own goals and create futures free from poverty. I have enough healthy food. I'm learning every day. I'm healthy and strong. We've developed new ways to reach children and families in poverty during these vulnerable times, ensuring they have access to health care, education, life skills, and more, so they can achieve their dreams. Learn more about Children International and join us at children.org slash help today. And welcome back to the Sports Buzz. Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu coming to you live from the great state of New Jersey on this Friday, February 10th, the year 2023, as we chat to you about what's happening in the world of sports as we are just under 48 hours from Super Bowl 57 in Glendale, Arizona, kicking off as Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs look for their second Lombardi trophy, but they will have to first go out there and try and solve Jalen Hurts, Nick Sirianni, and the high-octane Philadelphia Eagles. And before we get to more sports programming tonight, we have a phone call on the line. Let's go out to Carl in New Jersey, who joins us on the Sports Buzz. Carl. It's a pleasure to be here. How are you? How are you? Okay. We've got an exciting weekend. It's Super Bowl time. <laughs> it is, Carl. And who do you like in this week's game? I like Kansas City. You do? Yes, I do. I like Kansas City. I think experience is the nod. They're both exceptional, exceptional football teams. But I'm going to go with the experience. I like Kansas City. Uh, field gold. Wow. So you think it's going to be a three-point game? I do. I think it's going to be very, very close. You know, Carl, growing up as a sports junkie and witnessing all the different Super Bowls we've witnessed in our lifetimes that we've been watching them, are you surprised to see how big of a spectacle this event has become year in and year out and how bigger it's getting every year with the NFL and the finances around the sport and all it takes to set up these sites where they go and play these games and all of the media that's behind it year in and year out? You know, you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but I was recently, recently, um, Coming into New York, I take the bus in when, I, when, I'm, when I'm getting an appointment these days. I was sitting next to Jim Turper, and a Jim Turper used to work for the New York Times. And we got to talking about sports, and we got onto the Super Bowl because it was coming up. This is a couple of days back. And he and I got into almost the same kind of discussion. The Super Bowl has become almost bigger than, than life itself. Um, uh, Christmas, Thanksgiving, the 4th of July. 
and you have Super Bowl Sunday. Every time people talk about big events in our country, it's the Super Bowl. It's a focused day. Uh, it's not like the World Cup in soccer, which is wonderful. And I watched this year, and I thought it was terrific. Uh, I enjoy soccer. But there's something about the Super Bowl that encapsulates um, a day. It involves the family. And that's something we've missed, and Jim pointed that out. That's something we've missed. The entire family gets involved in Super Bowl Sunday. The cooking, the partying, the kids, everyone's involved. It becomes a family event. And that's really kind of tied it together. It made it a happening, and there's nothing else like it in sports in America today. Nothing, in my opinion, even comes close. No, well, the Kelsey family is involved. <laughs> Talking about family. <laughs> You know, Mrs. No, Kelsey has uh, divided loyalties in this game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, well, I, listen, I've been in the household. I had uh, a former wife of mine was uh, uh, was a, um, a a very big uh, Patriots fan, and um, uh, she just loved the, the Patriots, and she was a fanatic about it. <laughs> it was it was one of those things. That, though this goes back the some real years fans now. Stick with a team when they're down as well as when they're up. That's when we we'll see who the real <laughs> well, uh, After a couple of years, if the Patriots don't get back in the playoffs, we'll see who the real Patriots fans are. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's usually yes, dear. <laughs> you know, and, and and you go off and you have drinks with the guys in the corner. You're voting, voting. You're you're rooting for your team. <laughs> and yeah. your wife's over and hook, reading for her team. But you know what it really is? It's all about, you used to say, good, clean fun. Um, you know, it's cool uh, with, the, with the Super Bowl, too, uh, in the way it's become. People who who don't really have a, a, a dog in the fight or a horse in the race right. or whatever, you know, who are, are still going to watch and still celebrate this American party. Absolutely. But uh, don't really have their hearts into one team or the other. They, they bet on stuff like who's going to score the first touchdown of the game, who's going to win the coin toss. I mean, they, they bet on all kinds of little things. Absolutely. And, and of course, the handicap the com- coin toss. <laughs> <laughs> also, the commercials. Yeah, uh, people that, watch that, the commercials. People know, watch the commercials. It's one of the few events where people don't walk out of the room and go to the bathroom because the commercials are on. You see. A few shows uh, back, Carl, we were talking about how back in the day in like the 70s, a 30-second spot was like maybe a little over $80,000 to air. Now it's up to $7 million for $7 one million. spot. That's correct. $7 million. You can get it cheaper than you get it on the end when there's something available, but even coming in at the end to grab what they call a bonus spot, it's going to cost you $2.5 million. That's incredible, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Those commercials have kept people watching, too, in years when the Super Bowl was a one-sided game. I mean, every year we always expect uh, an exciting Super Bowl because uh, certainly the two teams, you don't get there if you, if you have a lousy team. You get there, you have to be on a winning streak to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah. But uh, people keep watching, even if uh, if a game loses its uh, competitiveness, just to keep watching the commercials. You know that's uh, exactly. That's a, Andy, that's Andy hit it right on the head. They they enjoy them, and they become part of the the banter in the room. They oh, become yeah. part of the chit chat, if you will. And it uh, some of the great Super Bowl parties I've been to over the years. Some of the commercials, particularly some of those Budweiser commercials, that when they first came out, they were just. Uh, they, well, they, they were, were fabulous. 
<laughs> you know, when you think of the Super Bowl too, Carl, the biggest uh, issue that many fans across this country have had for years now is the fact that it's on a Sunday night. It's 6.30 at night. The next day's yep. a work day. This year, the Super Bowl's later than most. It's February 12th. I heard murmurings through various different people on Radio Row all week where all of these different radio talents go out there and interview some executives and players and coaches and people intertwine daily with the NFL that it's the NFL's hope that they can eventually add another game to the season and try and get this game to fall on President's Weekend every year where you have that day after the Super Bowl to recuperate because people are really tired of uh, the Super Bowl happening and then right away they got to go to work the next day. Can you see the NFL do do that? that? They could do that just by starting the season a week later. And he's yeah. correct, you know, but you're right. I, I see it being, look, there's seven months, seven months season now, and I think they're going to stay in February, and I think I, I can see the president's weekend. You're absolutely correct, Kevin. They're going to look at that. They're going to go as long as they can. The Sunday is so big. It's got such a focus. They start talking about it on the local news on Wednesday before the Super Bowl hits. That entire week, the local channel here in New Jersey, 62, has been running everything available that you can eat on Super Bowl. It's a whole thing. And they're going to keep doing that because it's become an event. It's more than just the football and the commercials. It's an event. As long as I've been conscious, I mean, ever since I first started watching television back in the 1950s, Sunday night has always been the biggest TV night. Yes. Uh, it's the one night of the week when most people are home watching TV and watching as a family. I remember shows like Bonanza, Ed yep. Sullivan, some of these classic shows, uh, they all ran on Sunday nights. It's a, It's been a TV night, and then the NFL decided, hey, you know, instead of playing Sunday afternoon, let's do Sunday night. And obviously, they've been doing that since 1978, so it's working for them. They and the numbers. That, that is the night they get the TV audience. Absolutely, and, and the numbers are huge. The numbers are absolutely huge, yeah. huge, 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 huge. Again, for the fun of it and for the enjoyment of it, it's kind of nice to see um, the family thing. It's kind of nice to see the enjoyment of it all. Uh, people talk about it. They plan for it for weeks in advance. And have- it's become a spectacle where your average sports fan who may not necessarily watch the NFL or pay attention to the NFL on a weekly basis throughout the season or even a few games in the postseason, they're going to pay attention to the Super Bowl just because of the name, because of the event, because yeah. of the halftime show, because of the festivities intertwined with it. And that that's what brings this game front and center yearly. It's not just about the two teams. It's about everything involved within this production to make it happen the way they yep. do year in and year out. You know, I, I noted uh, um, uh, last weekend the, the what I call the Whitney Houston Bowl, the Giants and the Bills, uh, 1991. I think, was, I think it was Super Bowl 25. That became a thing. You see, she brought not only the the focus of the game and the excitement, but she brought a nation together. You see, she brought a nation together. I thought it was dynamic. I thought it was dramatic. Great football game, by the way. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, what's his name? A field goal. Uh, Norwood. Time is running out. Thank you. Doing this one with defense and ball control. 
I think we're looking for a great football it's gonna game. It's going to be a touchdown way. game. Touchdown game for the Chiefs. Touchdown okay. game. I think it's going to be a great football game. We have two experienced, solid football teams, one clearly on the rise in the Philadelphia Eagles. They've got young, uh, but you've got the old pros at, at Kansas City. They've been there before. They're solid, and they both play a very controlled game, in my opinion. They play a tight football game. I think it's just going to be a great football game. and it may, It's going to come down to the end. It's going to come down to the last quarter, half, last half of the last quarter. At least. Anything else you want to share with us tonight, Carl, on the Sports Buzz? And by the way, it's great to have you on, and it's an honor that you've joined the broadcast. Well, I will tell you, you guys keep doing it. We need more good sports programming. Uh, No matter how you look at it, this is a great show. Uh, You guys really make it come alive with sports, and that's what it's about. There's a lot of programming on about sports. Most, most of it is a lot, of, a lot of talk across the board and personality-driven and all of that. Yeah, that's part of the game, both in radio and television. You guys bring sports. You bring the numbers. You bring the, the essence of the game, the meaning of the game, regardless of whether it's football, baseball, basketball, hockey, it doesn't matter. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Love it, love it, love it. And I'm a listener. We appreciate that, Carl. Any final thoughts? New York Yankees to win it all this year. Oh, God. Did you have to mention that right now? I knew that would get you. I knew that would get you. uh, I don't think uh, that's arguable yet. (laughs) (laughs) Fellas, it's been great. Great, great, great. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Thank you for the support, Carl. We appreciate it. Good to hear from you, and and let's hope it's a great game, and I'll be rooting on the Chiefs hard to prevail and get their second Lombardi trophy. I'll catch you on the other side. Thank you, fellas. Thank you. Right. Bye-bye, Bye-bye now. now. Well, that was great, Andy. Carl checked in from the great state of New Jersey, and we have somebody else who has their hand raised. Let's see if we can get them on here in Clubhouse. Hello there, Ira from Is Connecticut. Alive out there? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Kevin, I love the show. Um, I was going to talk football until he started talking about the Yankees, and now, you know, he's opened up a whole other box. But um, hot stove is uh, in session. <laughs> I called in when you started talking about how how the, the Super Bowl has become a family event and it has taken over and it has expanded since it's, it's beginning because I'm old enough to remember the first Super Bowl. I remember years ago talking to a guy at a car dealership. I was searching around for a car and I was looking at VIN numbers and I asked him, what can you tell from the VIN number? And he said, you know, you can tell what date the car is actually made by looking at the VIN number. And I say, what? I said, why is that important to know And he said, you never want to have a car made. You never want to buy a car made on the Monday after the Super Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And and it was quite obvious because everybody was, you know, exhausted or or drinking too much or the factory coming in to work the next day. That was that was quite a while ago. So I'm not quite sure how uh, pertinent that is. But you also talked about. Uh, the halftime show and uh, what, are the, what an event it is. Um, but that, and that's happened to everything that, that on, on television these days about the media. For example, I'm going to expand this a little bit. It's still, you know, it's relevant to sports. But if you watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade lately, it's yeah, not about the parade at all. No. 
then I was watching of uh, Christmas, the lighting of the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. The actual lighting took a minute and a half, but the show was two hours long. Yeah, so it's not about the tree. It's about the it's about the groups and the singers that are singing the Christmas carols to bring you into the holiday season. It's all about the money. Yep. It's just like in football. Yep. It's, it's all the about ads. the money. Yeah. Getting the advertising in there. And we understand yeah. advertising is important, but, you know, it's getting to a point now where it really takes away from the event. It takes away from the true meaning of what you're going Therefore, or what you want to watch. Like the Super Bowl is great. And back in the day, I remember all of the great commercials that you used to look forward to and talk about on a daily basis. Now, if you're watching a three hour game for the Super Bowl, there may be one or two commercials that stand out in that entire three and a half hour broadcast that you're watching where you're talking about, oh, did you see that one commercial the, during the Super Bowl? Yeah. It was really funny. Every other commercial. Why is it even placed in there? You know, you talk about expanding the season that to 18 games, which is what I heard. I've heard also people talking about. Has anybody ever asked the players if they want to expand it to 18 games? You know what kind of your body, the, the, the damage that's going to go to your body by putting another game in there? I mean, this is just, it's just crazy. It but is. It's all about the money again. It is, and the NFL is the biggest money maker out of all the sports. There's not only you know gambling involved, but there's fantasy, and there's many other areas that people and sports junkies and fans alike hone in on on a weekly basis. And the NFL is king when it comes to uh, games and spectacles and events. So they'll do anything they can to try and add one or two more games to the schedule because they see it as dollar signs. And look. At what they did with Amazon this year. They put a top-tier broadcaster and Al Michaels on an Amazon contract to go out there and broadcast 16 games on the Amazon streaming service, and only 30% of the country, if you had Amazon, could see those games, and there were more glitches and more problematic problems within those broadcasts, respectively, on Thursday night, that you couldn't even enjoy watching your team if they were on the digital streaming service so that was another thing that bothered me the nfl didn't care about the fan they cared about all the money they were getting from amazon in that package deal and all they cared about was amazon doing those thursday night games and not even if you could get the game in your local market or not or watch it if you didn't have a prime subscription and now look at the explosion of sports betting thinking about you know a year ago uh, we didn't have, I'll bet you, half of these sports betting FanDuel type of apps that are available. And I was, it was, I was watching. There's this one commercial. Was it Frankowski? I can't think of. You know, the guy who used to play with Brady. The guy who was his main receiver was retired. Frankowski. He's going to be kicking a field goal, right? Yes. I, I'll bet you the real reason days. that they have this is for people to bet whether he makes it or not. Yeah. They haven't talked about that in the commercial, do they? But I'll bet you everybody, they, come Super Bowl Sunday, that's where the money's going to be made for making it or not. Well, just last night, the, that awards show, uh, 
you know, all these awards had sponsorships, and uh, they just dragged that that thing out to get maximum commercial time in there. And, and uh, this was sponsored, that was sponsored. Everything had a uh, had a hitch to it. I don't usually uh, watch Super Bowls for, as I think you might have mentioned before. Um, if your team is not in it, that you don't, I don't really pay that much attention. I might tune in the last quarter and then watch the game. But I think really this year it's a very, as you said before, Kevin, there are so many storylines in this game that it makes it actually much more watchable than ever before to me. Oh, it does. And a lot of people were complaining how this wasn't the matchup they wanted to see, how if it was Bengals and 49ers, it would have been a better matchup. I don't think that's the case. I think this game is more storylines. I think this game is more appealing. These are two number one seeded teams battling against one another. They were the two best teams in the league throughout the season. And they're two teams with a lot of big names and a lot of veterans and a lot of key guys that can be big playmakers when the game is on the line. So this is definitely the matchup that I wanted to see. And I'm sure deep down it's the matchup that the NFL commissioner's office and the bigwigs of the NFL wanted to see. This is definitely an appealing game. And I think we'll be in for a good uh, Super Bowl on Sunday night. And I don't think we're going to be let down. I think this is going to have some dramatics. And I think this is going to be a game that we talk about in the months ahead leading up to the new season next year. You know what also is going to be watched very carefully because people have been talking about this during the playoffs is the officiating. I have never seen officials berated so much in a string of games as the officials have been berated about bad calls, missed calls, non-calls. Oh, they had a brutal year. They really did. And that's the one thing. If the NFL does anything this offseason, they need to sit down with their officiating uh, department and they need to get all these refs and judges and side judges all together and they need to have a big, big conference and they need to talk about the rules and go over the handbook a little bit because these referees this year in the sport really, really, really derailed the game and really took the game away from what it's supposed to be. The NFL at times is supposed to be physical, and when you take the physicality away from the game, what's there to watch then? It's part of the game. It's part of what you're supposed to go out there and do. And I know, Andy, that the penalties bothered you a lot with the officiating this year too. Well, Cincinnati certainly wasn't happy uh, in their game with the Chiefs, but... uh... You know, it's a funny thing that I've seen the game change in the 60 years that I've been watching it. The rule changes and just the enforcement of rules and the way they call the games, it's made it such a more offensive game. Back in the days of Bart Starr and Johnny Unitas and people like that, it was much tougher to move an offense. Uh, now it's uh, it, it almost uh, looks like a pinball game <laughs> when you're watching on TV, the way these offenses move the ball these days. Well, the players are so much bigger now than they used to be back in those days. Yeah, that too. Yeah, the the big you know, guys are faster. Yeah, it used to be the big guys are slow. Now they're just as fast as the little guys. A few years ago, I was I went to Notre Dame. I was out there and I was looking through Notre Dame on a tour. And you know, they used to have I think it was in the 30s or the 1940s. The, the four pillars of granite or something they were called? Yes. The rocks of granite, yeah. So, do you know how much they weighed because they had the stats for each player? 
They weighed yeah, 165 were only about pounds. pounds. Wow. 165 pounds. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. I thought I had to read it three or four times if I wasn't reading yeah. it correctly. These were the grad. These were, these were the immovables. And, and and I think that's you know that's why the game is a lot more dangerous now because you have guys falling on top of each other, breaking bones and, and ligaments and kneecaps and things that the pileups are just I think are amazing. No, and that's why last week, Ira, I don't know if you were listening or not, but we brought up the topic of flag football and how in California, the state now is going out there and implementing as part of their academics and part of their uh, athletic departments that they want flag football to become a sport for all women in the state of California. And they said that it's becoming more and more appealing because you take away the physical contact, you take away the bad injuries and all of the tough tackling and all of that. So I think that, you know, the flag football is definitely something that is going to become more popular. And even the NFL um, Pro Bowl changed to a flag football event last weekend, and they said that there were a lot of high grades and high marks for the event. I didn't watch it, but I heard that people were very happy with the outcome of what the NFL implemented for that game now as the Pro Bowl game. Well, I'll leave you with this because I'm a real baseball fan, and I, I, you know, you were you were talking about expanding the season on the uh, into February. I hope it never get interferes with the beginning of the baseball season. And secondly, um, it will really be interesting to watch. Everybody's talking about the trades and whatever. But I think the more interesting part of the baseball season coming up will be watching whether the pitchers and the batters can adjust to the new clock. Yeah, I, I live you know, pretty close to a minor league team over here, the Jersey Shore Blue Claws, and I've seen that clock uh, – it doesn't seem to affect the pitchers, probably because they prepared for it and uh, they're adjusting to it. But it does speed the game up. You know, the hitters stand up there and they hit, and they don't. The hitters don't step out as much either. That's also a delaying thing where these big league hitters, they, after every pitch, you know, they step out, adjust their batting glove, do whatever, and uh, you know, they're human rain delays. Like uh, it's a faster-paced game in the minor leagues. I, I can say that from having watched uh, that clock in action and they said that that it worked well in the minors and that a lot of the minor league players adjusted well to it so hopefully it can help the mlb game because as much as we enjoy baseball and as much as we hone in on our respective team and root for them every day the game really has become so drawn out that it loses the attention of the viewer watching it i mean a nine inning game sometimes could go four hours even longer if it's a slow type of game and it and that loses appeal with the fan base a little bit and that's what's hurt the sport the last few years a lot of people are frustrated with the length of games so baseball definitely needs to fix that because it's hurt the ratings too i definitely agree with that but if they put the rule in that you're all you're only allowed to throw to first base twice you may as well just take the rule and dump it. You may as well just take just take the throw away. Don't even allow it because throwing to first base twice is, happens all the time, and any runner, any fast runner is going to just wait for you to throw to second to first twice and just take off. You know why even yeah. have that rule, right? Why even why even allow the throw to first base? It's just yeah. meaningless. 
No, I, I agree with you. Runner on is important. I know Noah Syndergaard had a problem with that. He could throw 100 miles an hour, but people stole bases on him all the time because he didn't pay enough attention to holding the runner on. I think sometimes the pitcher can just hold that runner up just by looking over there. They don't necessarily always have to throw it, but at least let the hitter, the base runner, know that you're you're watching them. And uh, yeah, well, it's, it'll it's be a very interesting. To the game, the holding uh, runners on. I wonder if you know the people, the people who are doing their sabermetrics and the scouts and the GMs are going to be now more on the lookout for players who are good at stealing those bases, right? We've already seen that teams have one guy they put in in the eighth or ninth inning to go steal that base. Maybe there'll be a lot more of these people who are, you know, let's sign the guys because they know how to run. And that's a hard thing to do, to go in as a pinch runner and you're expected to steal that base. I mean, imagine when the other team knows you're you're, you're out there to steal a base. That's a lot different than the L.N. men of surprise that you sometimes get in the middle innings. Well, listen, Ira, I thank you for taking the time to join us on this Friday night. We appreciate it, Kevin. Love it. Thank you, Ira. We appreciate all passionate sports fans. Please spread the word. Let the people know that the platform exists and we're here for them because you're not going to get this on commercial radio. You're not going to get this on the Sirius Satellite subscription service that you got to go out and pay for, but you're guaranteed to get it here on Clubhouse and we're guaranteed to give you a good broadcast every time we take to the microphone and And that's the one thing we can promise you week in and week out. Well, it's been a live one. And Andy, as we continue on our NFL conversation, every year the NFL has their award ceremony the week of the Super Bowl. And last night, the NFL Honors Award took place in Phoenix. And AP Coach of the Year, Brian Dable, received coach of the year he did a good job he changed the culture of this team he changed the new york giants they went from being a laughing stock in this city to a legit force out of the nfc east i heard many people complaining on social media that the giants didn't deserve this they finished third there were better teams than them listen listen they finished third behind dallas and the eagles they did. So that, that's but, different than third in some of the but other divisions. What these people don't realize is you brought in a head coach who didn't only come in and change the morale and culture of a franchise. He changed the entire season for a team that couldn't find their way out of the basement since Tom Coughlin left the sidelines with Eli Manning at quarterback what Brian Dable did to retool Daniel Jones to resurrect Saquon Barkley to bring in Wink Martindale and have a ferocious defense that forced turnovers that kept you into games that made key plays late in games to have an offensive coordinator in Mike Kafka be able to gel with the quarterback and find success for Jones to excel in one year to do what he did Brian Dable as the head coach of this giant football team he is more than well deserving enough to be the coach of the year for the NFL because I think the Giants have a long-term coach here. They got a great team. They got a good staff. And they are going to be a tough out for years to come. And to have a 10-win 
season, your first year at the helm, is really remarkable. Well, it's all about putting in a system that the players can be successful with. You got to take into account the abilities of your players. You got to know what they can do, what they can't do, and put in a workable system that's effective. I mean, it sounds easy when you put it that way. It's certainly harder when you when the rubber meets the road. You've got to do it down there on the field. But really, it's about establishing a system and a framework for your team, and that's what the Giants did. They made them contenders. AP Comeback Player of the Year, Geno Smith. He had a great season for the Seattle Seahawks, got them into the wild card round of the postseason, played well for Pete Carroll, resurrected a Seahawk offense where you felt like they weren't going to be a great team when they lost Russell Wilson. But what do they do? They fought hard. They battled in a tough NFC West. They found some good uh, success with Geno Smith at the quarterback position, and he is the AP Comeback Player of the Year. The AP Offensive Player of the Year was the big Viking wide receiver, a great playmaker in Justin Jefferson. He kept the Vikings in a lot of games this year, Andy, made a lot of big plays for them. He didn't do anything against the Eagles, though. No. Outside of that, he was a huge playmaker for the Minnesota Vikings this past season, and he is deserving of the Offensive Player of the Year award. Nick Bosa and the great defensive catalyst he is year in and year out. He is the AP Defensive Player of the Year, and that is not a surprise. Yes, he did. And Garrett Wilson, Jets wide receiver. Jets got some love here. Wilson and Gardner, yeah. Yeah, and Sauce Gardner. Listen, the Jets are the Jets are up and coming. Defensive Rookie of the Year awards. That's pretty good for the Jets. And then Dak Prescott received the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award. So Dak Prescott, the Cowboy quarterback, who is slowly, slowly, slowly starting to show his worth, except he can't win the big game, but they feel he still has that ability to be their starting quarterback. We'll see what he's really made of when uh, Mike McCarthy takes over the play calling and tries to retool the Cowboy offense. That's an award that recognizes community service and so many things off the field. And uh, a lot of the stuff that we don't even hear about day-to-day when we're talking about uh, the way these guys play the games. But uh, he was a good citizen and uh, did lots of good things to help a lot of people. And it means so much to people when when they interact with, with a celebrity. And when that celebrity does something good for somebody, helps people raise money for a good cause, and it really gives themselves uh, of their free time, you know, that that's certainly praiseworthy. Yeah, and then the Hall of Fame class was selected last night. Rondé Barber, Darrell Revis, Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, Demarcus Ware, Don Coriel, coach and contributor, Chuck Howley, senior, Joe Klecko, senior, and Ken Riley, senior, was nominated into this year's class of 2023 for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Andy. Yeah, senior, I guess that's the uh, the people who voted uh, I guess it's tiered just like baseball. Yes. You have a veterans committee when you're uh, going through your eligibility in the first in the first go round, and uh, certainly Darrell Revis, uh, Revis Island. He was he was one of the outstanding cover guys, all right. And Chuck Howley with the Cowboys. He to this day, this was in Super Bowl five, but I don't think there's been another one 
where um, not only was he a defensive player, and they don't win the award as often as the quarterbacks or running backs or wideouts, but he was the only player from a losing team uh, to uh, win the award. Now, Dallas, in that particular Super Bowl that they lost to the Baltimore Colts, uh, Dallas turned it over a whole bunch of times. You know, the Dallas offense performed very poorly. Uh, a lot of that credit to the Colts' defense. Uh, but Howley uh, helped Dallas stay in the game. That was a low-scoring 16-13 game. And without Howley's play as a linebacker, Dallas might have been blown out of that game. He goes down in history right now as the only uh, losing player to win that award. Uh, overall, it was a good night for Jets fans because uh, you had Revis and also you had Joe Klecko, uh, who was a terrific lineman in his day. I remember watching Klecko play, and he was he was a ferocious guy. He he lives in New Jersey now and sells real estate. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of people. I talked to several people who have been in touch with uh, Joe Klecko who who've interacted with him, and they all say he's a nice guy. Uh, Kind of one of those gentle giants, you know, on the field he was a terror, but off the field he's uh, just a, a gentle teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else stand out to you, Andy, in this award ceremony last night? I think uh, for the most part the awards are deserved. I like that Geno Smith got comeback player of the year because uh, he really did come a long way this year. There were some other... Uh, Pretty good nominees for that award. Too. Joe Burrow got the FedEx Air and Ground Player of the Year. Josh Jacobs as the Raiders running back and Joe Burrow as the Bengals quarterback received that award. Ron Rivera, the commander's head coach, got the Salute to Service Award presented by USAA. Ron Rivera deserving of that. As you know, he battled cancer, still took to the sideline and coached. It's nice to see him healthy again, and it's going to be interesting to see what he does with the commanders next year as the rebuild didn't seem to work this year. They played competitive, they played tough, but they just weren't there when they needed to be at the end, and they fell short of the postseason. But if anybody can get the commanders back to their winning ways, it's Ron Rivera, as he received this year's Salute to the Service Award for 2023. And Kyle Brandt got to present the angry run of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a a shtick I'll never get tired of. He, He really puts everything into that presentation. Andy, they had the Head and Shoulders Never Not Working Protection Play of the Year Award. That went to George Kittle Kittle versus the Dallas Cowboys. I like where they uh, like the Deacon Jones Sack Leader Award. You know, I remember Deacon Jones and he was a great pass rusher back in the 60s with the Rams or the Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award. Art Rooney owned the Pittsburgh Steelers for 40 years and didn't win anything until they got that Franco Harris, the Terry Bradshaw team together there. Jim Brown Award for a great running back, Jim Brown, who I was fortunate enough to see when I was young. I like awards that are named uh, Don or somebody who really gave something to the game. You know, Uh, That's the kind of award naming I like. But this George Kittle, he's a guy you can't help but like. I think he's going to be doing something in show business or entertainment or something. He's got a heck of a personality. You think of football players being these 
cold, stiff guys who don't have a sense of humor or anything. He seems like he's a great leader in the locker room. He seems like he's a good mentor. They say that he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, and I'm sure that the players love being surrounded by him because he seems to me like he's one of those guys who really takes you under his wing and shows you the ropes of what it is to be a purebred NFL superstar. They had a big group of uh, 49ers players and their wives sitting together, and that was pretty cool. Uh, Christian McCaffrey was there. Uh, He was the one that I recognized. Uh, Oh, yeah, Purdy was there. Uh, And they all sat together, and they looked like a team that had a lot of togetherness. So how did Kelly Clarkson do last night at the event, Andy? I think she she fell a little bit flat. I I, I guess I expected better. Maybe I'm being a real harsh critic, but... uh, once she went up there as a big Dallas fan, and uh, I guess she, she was trying to be funny, and she is uh, funny, but uh, I don't know. They, uh, I, I wouldn't give it uh, five stars. So as everybody waits for the Super Bowl to kick off, other sports that made a ton of headlines this week, one of them was the National Basketball Association and the NBA as the deadline came and went, and there was a lot of movement in the NBA side of things this week. And one team that... He's going to Arizona, just like everybody else. He's going to Arizona. Yeah, Kevin Durant, (laughs) one of the poisonous Nets players, goes to the Phoenix Suns, and Kyrie Irving goes to play and take his talent to the Dallas Mavericks and will play for Mark Cuban's team under the head coach leadership of Jason Kidd, who was a former Net. So the Brooklyn Nets now, Andy, become a superior team on paper before the trade deadline to a team that looks like they're going to rebuild for the next few years as the two well, big superstars. Yeah, yeah. Nets are getting a bunch of draft picks. And, you know, this Eagles team, uh, talking about the draft, I mean, uh, the, uh, the Eagles had a lot of draft picks stockpiled, and they, they drafted well, and they also got some players by trading draft picks. So it can be a good thing to have a stockpile of draft picks. Uh, if you plan everything out nicely, you know, the the Nets uh, could be uh, in for a good future if they're smart with these dra- draft picks that they've stockpiled. Yeah, no, they could be, but they lost their two big stars and the two big people who were the big yeah, distraction. for a championship have definitely gone yes. bye-bye. But, and yeah. speaking of the Nets, they lose tonight to the Phoenix Suns, 116-112, to 112, and Kevin Durant did not play yet for the Phoenix Suns or in this game. To use the football term, it looks like the Nets have punted. <laughs> the New York Knicks, Andy, with 2.28 to go in the fourth quarter are battling your Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers hold a 111-106 to lead as the Knicks look for their 31st win in this 2023 season. They've been impressive. They've had a bunch of playmakers. R.J. Barrett's led the way for them. Tom Thibodeau seems like he's been able to turn the corner a little bit with this team, and the Knicks have been a fun, gritty, scrappy team to watch on the hardwood this season, and they're playing tough tonight in Philadelphia against the Sixers, down three with under two minutes to play in the fourth quarter. Boston's been really consistent winners this year. They've they've got something good going on there. 
And also, given Boston's history, uh, you know, all the championships that they've won over the years, that's the challenge for these other teams in the East to get up to Boston. Yeah, and they're, and they're already up 22 tonight on the Hornets, 94-72. That game is late in the third quarter. So the Celtics continue their winning ways as they look for their 40th victory in this season. If they win tonight, they'll be 40-16 and 16 and they'd own a 22-7 and 7 home record with a victory tonight as they just continue to win. They continue to find ways to win and they have a ton of playmakers, Andy, and these guys come to play tough physical basketball on the hard would every time they go out there whether it's Devin White whether it's Tatum whether it's Hauser no matter who it is these playmakers are showing up in big ways for the Boston Celtics yeah you got it the Celtics are back and then uh Bill Russell anymore but they're back (laughs) and then boy Greg Popovich can't seem to find his winning success with the Spurs, Andy. He is 14-41 and 41 with the San Antonio Spurs, a very young team, a team that is rebuilding like crazy. Surprised to see with how bad this team is that Popovich continues to stick it out, wanting to coach a bunch of guys that can't seem to win him key games and get him back to the postseason. We know he's a Hall of Fame head coach. We know he's one of the best to ever take to the hardwood and coach a team and lead them to victory, but it's been some bleak years for Greg Popovich and the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, well, Greg Popovich has been there a long time and he's had a lot of success, but, but you know, sometimes uh, it's hard to do it year after year after year after year after <laughs> year. Tyler Hero for the Miami Heat has been a top performer through the first half tonight as he has 16 points and 7 assists as the Miami Heat continue to win some key games. They have a record of 30-25. and 25. They have a 2-point lead over the Houston Rockets at halftime. They've got former Sixer Jimmy Butler over there with the Miami Heat. And they're a team that can't be taken lightly in the playoffs either. No, not at all. And we'll take a timeout. Sportsbuzzshow1 at gmail.com. Sportsbuzzshow, the number one at gmail.com. Any thoughts, feelings, or opinions you have about this show, you can reach out to me as we come to you live on Clubhouse and we make it available for podcast playback through Spotify, Google, Apple, and wherever you go for your daily episodes. You're not going to get this broadcast on commercial radio. You're not going to get it on satellite serious radio, but you're guaranteed to get it on Clubhouse Weekly and you're guaranteed to get it in podcast form. When we come back we will talk some more nba hoops and we will discuss more about what's happening in the world of sports we'll take a time out we'll be back right on the other side of these messages i deserve a reward after all i found our dream house have a pickle thanks but i found out how much the house was going to cost past the jar but i found us the perfect mortgage but then i found out the house had radon Ugh. the radioactive gas that's the second leading cause of lung cancer yeah, well, i need mm, two pickles i found the phone number to call 1-800-SOS-RADON where you can get all the information you need to test your home and fix a radon problem i'd like some ice cream with this pickle are you trying to tell me something protect your family from radon Call 1-800-SOS-RADON. 1-800-SOS-RADON. Did you receive a call or message that mentioned Social Security and demanded immediate action? 
Did the caller know your social security number or other personal information and tell you that your social security number had been used in connection with the crime? Did you feel worried that your social security number might be suspended, your bank account might be frozen or seized, or you could be arrested? That is not the Social Security Administration. Social Security will not threaten you, demand your personal information or instant payment, email or text you pictures or documents, or use a real government official's name to gain your trust. Social Security does not accept payments by gift card, prepaid debit card, internet currency, or by mailing cash. Criminals use these forms of payment because they are hard to trace. Do not be fooled. Hang up. Ignore them. Report this criminal activity to the Social Security Administration Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Coming to you live from the great state of New Jersey, it's episode 16 of the Sports Buzz, this Super Bowl special coming your way live and local on Clubhouse as Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu chat to you about what's happening in the world of sports. We spoke about it on last week's broadcast and we finally seen it happen on Tuesday night, although it was a 133-130 loss for the L.A. Lakers, LeBron James took to the hardwood in Los Angeles and defeated the record held by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and he becomes the all-time scoring leader in the NBA as he had 38 points in that game, and when you think of LeBron James, you don't only think of an NBA talent, you think of a star athlete who can do it all. He can crash the boards, he can play physical on defense, he can be an offensive catalyst, he can be a role model and a leader on the hardwood, but he can also be a great, great, great basketball player. And I don't think LeBron's game is as much about the scoring as it is about him being an all-around NBA player. He excels at every position on the hardwood. He can do well on defense, but he can do well on offense. He plays fundamentally sound on both sides, which very few players do in that sport. He's certainly not a one-dimensional player. I can recall many conversations I've had uh, about basketball uh, where I've described LeBron as a facilitator, a distributor, uh, you know, certainly a team player. And, uh, you know, when you're that kind of a player, you actually help your ability to pass the ball by scoring once in a while too, make uh, defenders guard against you scoring and then uh, you you find an open player because they're worried about you scoring and basketball is like kind of a constant game of adjustment but uh, you know, LeBron because he's such an overall player gets a lot of support uh, for uh, the GOAT you know as they call the uh, greatest of all time now but one thing that uh, also happens when our scoring record gets broken is it, it makes people look back and uh, making the comparisons to the players from the old days. And, of course, uh, the names that come up when you you ask, uh, is LeBron really the best ever? People will cite uh, Michael Jordan's championships and uh, Bill Russell's championships. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar also had uh, five championships with the Lakers and one with the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, so the, these guys were winners, too. 
But I think uh, LeBron gets the nod because he's also the fourth assist man in the history of the NBA up there with good assist guys like uh, John Stockton and people of that variety who are point guards who distributed the ball. And I get, Um, Andy, that LeBron puts a lot of points up, but when you think of Jordan, you think of Jordan as a prolific scorer. When you think of LeBron, you think of LeBron as an all-around elite NBA player. To me, there's a difference. When you watch Jordan, you wanted to see Jordan go after the points. When you watch LeBron, you want to see the impact he has on the court every time he takes to the hardwood. That's where the differences are between those two, and that's why they are great in their own ways. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would add that uh, Jordan uh, was a tremendous defensive player, too. Uh, I think a lot of fans overlooked that because Jordan was always making the big baskets. And that's the thing you remember about Jordan, that not only that he scored a lot of points, but he'd get the the killer points, the sort of the hard points that would you know, put the game away, the, the, the game-winning points. Uh, in the clutch, you knew that Jordan was uh, was going to make the big play to win. Uh, but also, uh, Jordan was an intense defensive player. Uh, I mean, he really was. Uh, I don't know if a lot of uh, fans uh, appreciated his defense just because maybe people who never played the game, uh, they don't think defense gets played in the NBA. But uh, Jordan certainly played defense uh, as well. So he certainly is... Uh, a worthy person to be in the conversation. Uh, funny story about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Now, Jabbar, when he was at UCLA, that's another thing, that Jabbar, in his day, he couldn't come out of high school and play in the NBA. They didn't do that in those days. He had to play his four years at UCLA. A lot of players who weren't college material had to wait four years before you know they could get drafted or enter the NBA from their high school graduation. That's a big change. Uh, once they started letting high school players come straight into the NBA. Uh, So LeBron got four scoring years there that uh, Jabbar was in college. But when Jabbar was in college, they actually changed their rules because Jabbar was so good. You know, for a few years there when Jabbar was playing, dunking wasn't allowed in college basketball. And uh, Jabbar developed the the skyhook uh, because he wasn't allowed to dunk, that actually made Jabbar uh, a better player in the NBA because he developed something other than just going in for the dunk. And uh, a funny story about uh, Jabbar with the sky hook was uh, way back many years ago, uh, I think uh, 40-some years ago, there's a movie, you could Google it if you want to check, uh, check it out, uh, a movie called The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. And it was a corny movie starring Dr. J where... Uh, this astrologist put together a team that was all Pisces, astrological sign Pisces. Then they go into the playoffs there, and they're playing the Lakers. This fictional team was the Pittsburgh Pisces. Yeah, they just went ahead and called them the Pisces because they just looked for Pisces players. They thought astrologically this would be a good mix of players. But anyway, Marv Albert played an announcer when they were in the playoff games there. And I had a, one opportunity one time to meet Marv Albert because I used to have a, a pass to the 76ers games, and, uh, and I went to the media room, and one day I met Marv Albert there. I just read a book by Marv Albert about broadcasting. It was called Yes, because that was a signature call. Is he a nice guy, Andy? Very nice, yeah. 
I met Marv Albert, and I told him first thing. I said, Marv Albert, great to meet you. I just read your book, yes. And Marv says, oh, so you're the guy. (laughs) Uh, Marv Albert uh, was talking about this movie, The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. And uh, in the script, they had Julia Serving blocking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's skyhook and then going down and scoring. And But anyway, they had to take it over and over and over again because Kareem would not let anybody block his skyhook. And Kareem kept saying, nobody blocks my skyhook. And so they finally gave up and just wrote it out of the script, like, okay, Kareem, uh, you know, he doesn't block your skyhook. That's the kind of pride that Kareem Jamar had. And nobody ever did block his skyhook. Very compelling story, Andy, and just uh, uh, fascinating how all of these key athletes and contributors like LeBron and Jordan and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and just big names that have been the backbone of the sport for so long. Just fascinating to see what they've been able to do to contribute to the sport. And listen, LeBron James, he won a championship with the Lakers. I get it was the COVID year in the bubble. He also won with the Cavaliers, he also won with the Heat. He's proven that he can go to different teams and be that same elite player and be the leader for that team that they need him to be on the hardwood. And not many people can do what LeBron has done with different teams and different personnel on the court day in and day out. So that in itself really gives him tons of accolades for what he's done in the sport. Well, LeBron uh, played in the finals eight straight years. And he, I'll tell you, the Cleveland Cavaliers wouldn't have won a championship without LeBron. No, nor would the Heat. And I get the Heat right. back then at Dwayne Wade and some key guys there that helped LeBron with that championship. But still, he, he was the fixture for any team that he's played for thus far. And it's just crazy how he can't seem to have that success in Los Angeles. There's still a missing piece there. There's still something wrong with this Lakers team that hasn't put them front and center to be a dominant team of years past. And it doesn't seem to me like the Lakers, Andy, have all the pieces there. And they thought that Darvin Ham was going to be the saving grace as new head coach, but he has struggled in his first uh, tenure with the Lakers on the sideline. Well, you can have a lot of talent in basketball, but there's only one basketball. <laughs> only one <laughs> Only one guy gets to shoot at a time. And chemistry is a word that comes up in discussions about uh, why teams win or don't win in basketball. If a team doesn't win and things don't seem to fit together, even though they have star players, uh, it's a question of did they have the right chemistry? Like uh, the Knicks teams that won 50 years ago, they had that intangible, that chemistry. You know, they all worked together. They played as a team. But, uh, you know, some teams have had great talent, but just never won. And quickly, on the NHL side of things, the Rangers lead the Kraken in the third period 5-3 to three, as the Rangers look to continue their winning ways and they look for their 30th win of the season. 
The Devils won. They beat the Kraken last night 3-1 in what was a big win for them as they get their 34th win on the season, the New Jersey Devils, and they have seemed to turn the tide and find their winning ways here in the great state of New Jersey. The Islanders lost to the Canucks last night 6-5. to It's been a tough season for the Islanders as they have a 27-23 and record. That's your NHL scoreboard, and we gave you some NBA scores. And listen, folks, this is it. This is the final weekend where we get to watch NFL football. We get to hone in on a sport that we love, that we gather around our television set and has become a custom treat every Sunday afternoon from September right in through the month of January where the NFL becomes front and center for many sports junkies out there and we live and die by the sport on Sundays for that six-month time frame and sadly after this Sunday it'll all be over for the 2022 season and then we will then get into more NBA NCAA basketball talk as we are just getting closer and closer to the March Madness tournament the conference tournament starting up in the beginning of March we got the baseball pitchers and catchers are beginning to report to their Spring training facilities. Before you know it, they'll be conditioning themselves and and playing some fun spring training games in Arizona and Florida. So we have that to look forward to. We have the latter part of the NBA season, the latter part of the NHL season. So there's a lot to do over the next several months, but a sport that we seem to talk about a lot in the NFL will now be done with after this game on Sunday. And we started this broadcast talking about Super Bowl coverage, and we will end it with our final pick for the 2022 season as we battled Tough Andy. You defeated me again this season in our NFL Picks competition contest that we did weekly, but it was a fun battle. Now we will finish it off by picking this year's Super Bowl winner for the Lombardi Trophy. So let me cue that music up. And for the final time until the new season starts in September, our NFL picks as we pick for Super Bowl 57 in Glendale, Arizona. And listen, we've had a chance now for two weeks to study this game. We've had a chance to really look at the pros and cons for both teams coming into this game. And it's going to be a marquee matchup. Both teams are deserving to be in this spot. Both teams played well all year to get to this point. They're well coached. They have good offenses. They have good defenses. They have... Players that can be big playmakers when you need them to be in a game. I think the Eagles' strength is definitely their offense and defensive line, which is definitely stronger than the Chiefs. But with the Chiefs, it's about the head coach and the quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. And I think late with experience behind them, 
I just think the Chiefs are going to find a way to win it. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be competitive. I think it's going to go right down to the bitter end. And I think when all is said and done, the Chiefs are going to have the football with a, about a minute and a half to go in this game. And they're going to go downfield and try to win it with a game-winning touchdown. I'm sensing this game being 30-23, 30-24, somewhere in that realm. I just think Andy Reid has put together a great game plan. Patrick Mahomes has looked good in practice all week. Both teams are going to be rested. The Eagles were competitive in the postseason, but really Every game was a blowout. There was nothing really to latch on to with the Eagles in the postseason because every game was a blowout. This ain't going to be a blowout. This is going to be a close-to-the-vest football game. If the Chiefs' defense could tame Miles Sanders and and the Eagles' ground-and-pound attack and hold the Eagles to under 22 carries rushing on the football field, then I think they'll have a great chance of winning this football game. I think you're going to need some big plays from Patrick Mahomes. I think Smith-Schuster and Valdez-Scandling is going to have to get involved a little bit more outside of Kelsey for some big playability. And I think the Chiefs are really going to show their strength throwing the football and trying to get downfield and put points on the board. Give me the Chiefs 30, Eagles 23 for my Super Bowl 57 pick in Glendale, Arizona. Andy? I see it a little bit lower scoring than that. I see uh, Eagles 21, Chiefs 20. Um, I think the Eagles, uh, well, one reason they won blowouts over the last couple of weeks in the playoffs was because uh, they took charge with their offensive line creating holes that they could uh, run the ball and the defense uh, putting the heat on the other team, and uh, the Eagles uh, took control of those games. Now, they, uh, uh, they're not going to blow out Kansas City, but uh, the Eagles do have enough wherewithal to control the tempo of the play for much of the game, uh, keep the Kansas City's offense off the field with ball control, and nothing spectacular, five yards here, six yards there, open hole here, open hole there. And, uh, and the Eagles, Eagles can do a couple of long touchdown drives that way. And the defense will make Kansas City work for whatever it gets. And I'm sure uh, Mahomes will uh, pull a rabbit out of his hat or two because he's just that kind of a playmaker and he's got a tight end who knows how to get open when the play breaks down. But uh, overall, I'd say uh, the Eagles will prevail in a low-scoring game. 21 to 20. We're about due for a one-point game. <laughs> Giants had that one back in Super Bowl 25. So uh, Super Bowl 57. Uh, maybe this will be the next one-point nail biter here. And uh, so I go Eagles 21-20. Okay, so 21-20. Andy has the Eagles over the Chiefs, and I have the Chiefs winning 30 to 23 over the Philadelphia Eagles for our picks for Super Bowl 57 in Glendale, Arizona in a league where they play for pay as the big game is less than 48 hours away from kickoff and many people will gather, many people will go to Super Bowl parties, many people will 
just enjoy what the day brings and many people will enjoy the sport and the fun of the game. And with that said, Andy, are you doing anything special for Super Bowl Sunday? Well, I'll be home for this one. Uh, you know, I've gone out to some sports bars in the past and had some fun watching uh, the Super Bowl. I remember one year uh, our church when I was living in Warren County, New Jersey, uh, St. Joseph Church, did a, uh, they opened up uh, their dining hall there and uh, they had some big screen TVs there and we watched. That was when the Eagles played the Patriots. And uh, I think that's the last Super Bowl that ever put a bet on, and it was a winning one. A funny story there, I was at this place called the Town Crier. It's changed its name since then. In downtown Hackettstown, a nice little uh, watering hole there where they had people watch sports on TV. And uh, I remember a guy uh, before the Patriots-Eagles Super Bowl saying, oh, the Patriots are going to kill the Eagles. They're going to destroy the Eagles. And uh, the Patriots were a seven-point favorite. And I said to the guy, if you give me the points, I'll take that bet. You know, I wanted the seven points. But, uh, yeah, I felt it was going to be a closer game than just an absolute blowout. And uh, the Patriots won it by three points. So the guy still owes me a beer because he never did pay me. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy the Super Bowl this Sunday. I hope your Eagles prevail for your sake. I'm rooting for the Chiefs. Any final thoughts for this evening? Well, I kind of finish this up, at least from my standpoint, with some kudos to Andy Reid. Now, Andy Reid, uh, with both Eagles and uh, the Chiefs, uh, all the playoff games he won and all the times that he had both those teams in conference championship games. And one thing I've always said in sports in general, when people are in a hurry to get rid of a coach, and I've seen Parents of high school kids do this right away. It's the coach's fault if the team's not winning and they want to get rid of them. But if you have a little bit of patience with a coach, and I've seen that the good high school coaches, college, pro, uh, each year they get better. They learn more. They adapt more. They they figure things out more. And when you're at a team as long as Andy Reid was with the Eagles and with the Phillies, you know, I, I hated to see the Eagles let Andy Reid go, even though he had a losing season. But, uh, you know, I was like, boy, these people have short memories. Look at all the times he had us in the conference finals, all the playoff games he won. And uh, I didn't like seeing Andy Reid go. I was glad he got a job very quickly at Kansas City, and I've been happy for the success he's had. Pretty cool now he's, uh, he's going up against his old team here with no hard feelings. I mean, at the press conferences, he's uh, he's been very magnanimous about uh, the situation here, and he's looking forward to a great game. Well, I'll, I'll nice say this. Philadelphia. He wins this one, Andy. He will be an immortal. He oh, will yeah, be. Yeah. He'll be up there in Don Shula yep. uh, and Vince Lombardi and uh, up with those guys. Yeah. It's just amazing year in and year out to see what he does with this team and the fact that he saw something in Patrick Mahomes to be a leader of this team because when Patrick Mahomes first came up with the Chiefs and was starting quarterback, a lot of people were questioning that move. A lot of people were saying, well, what did Andy Reid see in him? I don't think he's going to be a great yeah, player. He wasn't a real high draft pick. Uh, no. Teams, you know, several teams had a shot at him. So, 
you know, you got to give Andy Reid his due. You got to give him his credit. And you also got to give Nick Sirianni credit for what he's done with the Philadelphia Eagles. And what I also did here on Radio Row this week, Andy, is that their offensive coordinator for the Eagles is more than likely looking like he may become the next head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Well, that's what happens to successful teams. I mean, people want to get those uh, coordinators on their staffs because, you know, everybody wants people who know how to win, and uh, they've demonstrated that they know how to win. And, uh, you know, it's very tough for good coaches and good teams to, to keep their staffs together. And Andy Reid, too, through the years, he's he's lost a number of coordinators and, and still kept it going. He just gets new coordinators, gets them on board, and uh, – I'm sure before the uh, preseason and everything gets started, the head coach has to work with the coordinator so that they're all on the same page. And, you know, that's another big part of the process that goes on during the offseason while we're watching our baseball games. Uh, These guys are working on getting their plan and their system together, you know. Well, with that said, Andy, we will wrap up this edition of episode number 16, this Super Bowl 57 special of the Sports Buzz. I want to thank everybody who has listened in on Clubhouse tonight. I want to thank our callers who participated in the broadcast. And I want to thank you for coming to the microphone, Andy, and giving us another solid episode. Good luck to your Eagles. We will be back next week to dissect the game and put a wrap on the 2022 NFL season and finally get into other areas of significant sports talk on a weekend week out basis i am going to end this episode with a song by the good rats called football madness we're closing out the nfl season with the big game in phoenix arizona so why not close out this show with a song that talks about football madness and what madness it was in this past nfl season he was andy loigu i was kevin wolf this was the Sports Buzz. Sports Buzz Show 1 at gmail.com. Sports Buzz Show, the number one at gmail.com. Go to Apple, go to Spotify, go to Google, and get the daily live broadcast as a podcast for your audio craving. We'll be back next week. Same place, same time. Adios. Until next time.